Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. UK Tech Weekly Podcast. Welcome to the UK Tech Weekly Podcast. It's a sausage fest with more in-jokes than a school reunion. Uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, we have two topics to talk about today. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I did have it muted before I checked the levels. Um, we've got Scott Carey. Thanks for joining us. Online editor of Tech World. Hello. Uh, Neil Bennett, the editor of Digital Arts. Hello. And Don Preston, uh, staff writer at Tech Advisor. Hi. I'm Henry Burrell, and we're going to talk, first of all, Mr. Neil Bennett, about Microsoft Surface Pro. Well, before we talk about the actual product itself, I think we should talk about the uh, the launch, which Microsoft grandly cocked up. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, they don't have a great track record uh, with launches. They tend to get mocked um, just because Apple set the bar so high. So what do they do this time? Well, they decided to launch in Shanghai in China, which you know was a sensible move because as well as launching a new product, they're also going to launch their entire line of Surface products into China. Okay. Um, now, obviously, you know, China is not known for having the be- world's best net connection with the rest of the world. So, um, yeah, they, th- they decided we're not going to do an official live stream, um, okay. you know, because of the great, you know, was it Great Firewall of China, great or whatever they call it, probably <laughs> yeah, uh, caused some, some issues. So they thought they'd just do a live blog, uh, which didn't work. They couldn't <laughs> actually live blog the, their own event. Um, so the, <laughs> us here decided, ended up watching a live stream on some weird Chinese Tumblr-esque social media site, <laughs> trying to hear what uh, Microsoft VP, uh, VP of whatever he is, um, um, Panos Pane was saying, um, underneath a live translation um, Brilliant. Uh, uh, you know, uh, into one of the Chinese dialects. So, uh, yeah, that was a bit of a cock-up. But then, you know, that that was a, you know a, a, something which I don't think had a major impact on the, the, you know, the, the what people thought of the product. By the time the news came out, um, people were more interested in the actual uh, thing itself. Uh, it's called the Surface Pro. It's not called the Surface Pro Five because you know as the numbers get higher, I think the impact of going right this is the new one. And is it also yeah. potentially because not much is new? Yeah, I mean it's kind of oh. like. <laughs> Hot take right there. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know. It depends who 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 you'd ask, really. Yeah. I mean, yes, it's got the latest chips. It's got faster storage. It's apparently twenty percent faster overall. But the, the biggest issue, I think, for a lot of people is the you know the Surface Pro Four that they bought last year is probably good enough for for what they want. Um, the one the, the area where they have upgraded it. 
um, is for artists. And, you know, artists were a big kind of group that they were trying to push the, um, the Surface Pro 4 to. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't the main audience. They're kind of like the 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 cool, the aspirational audience. You say, right, if I can get these people to use the Surface Pro Four, then the uh, you know everybody else who wants to be uh, or wants to think of themselves as creative is going to go and buy this product. Okay, um, it's what Apple have been doing for for decades. I was talking um, to HP um, th- this week about the exact same thing, where they were saying that um, obviously the way we, we market a lot of our big workstations and a lot of our dream color displays is for the artists and for the animation but really it's like less than 10% of our actual market but those are the stories that we like to tell and those are the aspirational sort of market that we like to push it on but really you can't make a huge amount of money on that smaller market can you no but it's a lot cooler to say all right, our, our products were used in the creation of uh, you know whatever the latest DreamWorks film is yeah. uh, rather than saying oh it Boss helped baby. make you know UBS <laughs> 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 Actually, you know, um, I remember uh, you know, going mm-hmm. with HP uh, to Cam, which you were talking about, yeah. and uh, the big production was sort of Over the Hedge, starring uh, oh, yeah, a, a barely remembered animated film yeah. with um, Bruce Willis and uh, Nick Nolte. And, uh, who knows? But in reality, um, it's getting used by like architects and like, financial services. That's that's where the really? real money's made. Mm-hmm. That's where all the kind of big workstations go into. But again, no one wants to read a story. Um, well, a story that's about how much you know. I don't know. Barclays have, have used yeah. these workstations to make billions of pounds yeah. of profit through trading, or here's how it was used to make a cool film. You know, sure. which is kind of the the more fun, more fun product. Uh, so more fun story. But yeah, going back to the Surface Pro quickly. I mean, yeah, I mean it's yeah they've got a better pen, so it's better for drawing. It's got it's much more sensitive. You mm-hmm. can draw better with it. Um, you can tilt it in a way that. Um, you can kind of push it almost flat, so like uh, you know what they call a, a drafting table, what I, you know, my parents would have called a draftsman's table. But you know, yeah, if we, our language has moved on since then. Uh, yes, yeah, it's, it's slightly off, off, um, off flat, so you could, it's better and it's more comfortable for for drawing. Uh, and there's a new keyboard which is uh, made of a substance which I've been spent the week calling Alcantara. Uh, which, Alcantara, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think Alcantara is possibly a Spanish resort awash with cheap booze and poor life choices. <laughs> Sounds like but, a spell from Harry Potter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Alcantara is the the guy that plays with Bayern Munich, isn't it? Uh, well, I think I was say Alcantara. <laughs> so we've got a problem here. There we go. <laughs> like I a, think I think it is Alcantara. Um, it's like a weirdly, um, it's like man-made, isn't it? It's but fake suede. Yeah, fake suede. I'm not quite sure why oh, they're okay. making a big deal of it. But this thing is made of fake suede. It's like, oh, this jacket what? is made of leather. A lot of people I mean, have been not... like worried that that's just going to get filthy really quickly. Because if we, uh, like computers are mostly metallic, like laptops and things. You, yeah. don't, you don't really notice when your MacBook is absolutely disgusting. Yeah. But if you've got like a, a fabric keyboard with your sweaty palms all over it, surely that's not that's not going to last long, is it? Well, apparently it's used a lot in cars. Okay. And, you know, my car's pretty dusty, but that's probably because <laughs> I've got children, I live in the countryside, and they, everyone seems to trek in massive amounts of dirt into the car. Um, but... Yeah, well, well, we'll see. We're gonna we're gonna have a look at it in a couple of weeks, and I'll report back of actually whether it's any good or not. From a, yeah, and from a techie point of view, um, I wanted to talk quickly about how Microsoft, uh, why it's important that Microsoft is making hardware. I mean, they've been doing the Surface Pro for a little while, but there's also the Surface Laptop, which they released a few weeks ago. Yeah. I will not released; it's not out yet. But I was looking at the pricing, and for a Surface Pro, you're talking about uh, you know that market where they do make the money. And I presume they're making the money in their high-end version as well, because yeah. the Surface Pro starts at seven nine nine, but that's with a core M three processor, which you're not going to be able to do much serious work on. And no, it goes well, up to about two and a half grand for the high-end. Yeah, one. they're pretty. Yeah, and, and you have to pay pay extra for the keyboard and for the. Um, yeah, they don't come with it. They the don't come with well. it, do they? The keyboard's one hundred and fifty, I think. How does yeah. the pen? 
Um, <laughs> Pens, what's 90 quid or something? Oh, I was going to say, if it's three figures, that's ridiculous. But no, it's, it's not far it's off. The, the, Apple, the Apple Pencil is 99 pounds. I know. Yeah. I know. Um, and yeah, then the Surface laptop is uh, 979 with a Core i5, but it's a bit cheeky because it's the low-power i5. It's not the real thing. Um, and that only runs uh, Windows 10S, which I don't think we've talked about on the podcast before. But, yeah, so the Surface Pro will, will run for Windows Home or Pro. I think it comes with Pro. But, yeah, the Surface Laptop only runs 10S, which is a new operating system. We, we can only download apps from the Windows Store. And I think that's a weird move. Mm-hmm. Um, they've been targeting it at... Um, so the education market, where in the US at least Chromebooks are, are dominant, um, and also to students. But for a thousand pounds and a laptop, you basically can't install any third-party applications on, and will you can't change the default browser, so you have to use Edge for everything. Oh, my. <laughs> oh God! Edge is, Edge is also terrible. See, but it is a big deal, isn't it? Though that Microsoft is making hardware because it, it failed so miserably in the phone market. Is this is this uh, encouraging for, for, for them? I think it's encouraging, uh, yeah, for pushing things forward. I mean, the reason why two and ones got big is because Microsoft made such a success out of the, uh, out of the, you know, the original Surface Pro three and then then the four. Yeah, and it's something where they, you know, I mean, they they <laughs> built that market. I mean, yes, there've been accusations that they basically built that market by giving away <laughs> a lot of uh, Surface. <laughs> they can afford for, it for for three for three. I mean, that's a, that's a rumor where I have no. I say I have no actual proof <laughs> on it, but it's something which is much said in the industry. Yeah. Um, so you know, it's it's if you if you want to find the next generation of devices, it's great that, the, that Microsoft are, are sort of developing these things. Not all of them are going to work. You know, yeah. The Surface Phone or whatever this you know mooted idea of doing a Windows Phone, it's not going to probably you know be able to take on the the iPhone or the uh, you know or, or Android. But well, if they yeah, d- that that Nokia. Uh, Acquisition really went well for Microsoft. <laughs> um, uh, that's all right. So I was wondering if buzz, he's buzzing. Well, he's left the building. Um, I don't know what to do. That's never happened before. <laughs> We've never had anyone leave. Now we can say horrible things. I was going to say, well, what, what don't you, what, what's your least favourite thing about Neil? <laughs> <laughs> um, do, I, do I keep going? Oh, he's back. He's cool. Um, that's completely thrown me. Uh, I was Sorry. also. Oh, that's all right. I was going to mention the two-in-one market. Um, um, have you used a two-in-one before for like actual work? Because I, I was at a um, launch in Berlin earlier this week for Huawei's basically Surface Pro version. Um, they just updated it. It's called the MateBook, a MateBook E. I'm trying to use it for all my work. Um, it, it does slow down a little bit sometimes. Is this um, the one that's like an iPad with a keyboard? Basically, yeah. Yeah, yeah. A friend yeah. of mine's got one. He absolutely loves it. Mm. And he uses it for work. And he uses it when but he travels. It's Windows one, right? It's not Windows yeah, one, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Microsoft one, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because it's actually, it's quite attractive. Like, it is, like, <laughs> gloriously overpriced and underpowered. Yeah, but, so is it, some... does it cost more than the Surface Pro? The Huawei one. No, the, the so does the Pro, so does the Surface Book cost more oh, than the right. PC, basically? Yeah, this, so the Surface, this is what, yeah, so it's quite confusing. There's, there's the Surface Pro, which is the turn one, and that yeah. starts at 799 then the Surface Laptop, which runs a kind of um, crippled version of oh, Windows. And that's an all-in-one, yeah. And no, that, yeah, that's just a, a proper yeah. laptop, that's 979 But then they also have the Surface Book, which is a detachable laptop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So oh, they, they, God, got, they yeah. got the three, they got the three now, yeah. Okay. And that's, that's like, a lot of money. I think the cheapest one of those is like seventeen hundred. Blimey! I might be wrong though. Someone's gonna someone's gonna correct me if anyone is listening. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, yeah. So is is that the next exciting phase of computing? Two and ones, or are we kind of are we slowed up a little bit? And because smartphones, obviously, they've only been around about ten years, and it's yeah. everything's accelerated so fast. 
Um, well, the, I mean, they have been phenomenally popular. I mean, you know, to the point where you think, oh, originally when they launched Surface Pro 4, it's just going to be for artists. And then you realise that, you know, our entire inter international sales team here at IDG has got basically got Surface Pros. Right. Yeah, it's it's that kind of, because they're very simple and very easy to travel with. I mean, I use an iPad Pro with a keyboard because if I'm sitting on a, you know, southern trains on the way in in the morning and you're kind of in a little cooped up little seat, you're going to, you you need to have a touchscreen just so much easier to use than yeah. trying to click around on a little trackpad when you're yeah. hemmed in with a billion other people. So, uh, yeah, it, ma it makes sense to, to use, um, you know, a two-in-one if you're traveling a lot. But uh, it seems like laptops are, are more popular these days. This is what people seem to be buying. Yeah. Turn one's a good bit of kit. Are Microsoft sort of the leaders in that market, or who's the real big competition? Is it Huawei? Yeah, I mean, Microsoft do have it with the Pro, uh, the Surface Pro. And then um, the iPad Pro, I think it's a clever product in that Microsoft, uh, sorry, Apple is able to kind of get in on, on those customers. Yeah. I their... seldom see people with Neil's setup, though, with yeah. the keyboard iPad Pro setup. It's, it's an expensive setup. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's also a very large device. Like, um, obviously, Neil uses it a lot for work. Um, and that's why the big screen, it kind of does act like a laptop. Mm. But not many people are going to go out and buy a 12-inch iPad Pro for Netflix. No, no. It's the smaller one, I see. I see a reasonable number of people sitting on the train mm -hmm. um, using the smaller iPad Pro with the keyboard, like doing their own okay. and stuff like that. People going into the city. Um, but yeah, they're there next to you know a much larger bunch of people who are sitting there with a you know, clunky old Lenovo ThinkPad laptops. Oh. <laughs> with the little, uh, yeah. the red little thing the little in the middle oh, of the keyboard. Yeah, it does matter. <laughs> Love it. Uh, uh, they sell so many of those to enterprise. Yeah, it's but um, yeah, no, the fastest growing market, I think, uh, well, this is what companies tend to tell me in interviews, uh, is the like the, the detachable market, like a, a computer that you can kind of clip the screen yeah. off. Yeah. Because uh, um, you've got that exact level guy. He wants to, yeah, like you say, watch stuff on the train and everything. But he doesn't want to carry around something that looks lame. Like yeah. like CIOs love the two in ones because they get to carry around like a folio. I don't know. That's what I'm told. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just repeat what I'm told. Um, any other anything else to say about that? I mean, Apple does have its iPad Pro, but we think at WWDC next month it's going to spec bump all the MacBooks. Is that important for the design uh, industry? Yeah, I mean the, the the MacBook Pro is still kind of generation behind, um, but it doesn't have a touchscreen. Apple doesn't believe that touchscreens are are the future. Because I suppose, you know, they seem to design hardware for business class mm -hmm. rather than economy or, you mm -hmm. know, they, they expect, you know, they seem to build everything expecting it's going to be used in some way you've got arm room. Whereas I think Microsoft's very aware that, uh, you know, when you travel around, you're offering cooped up spaces. So a touchscreen is, is better than a... Um, also, I suppose Apple doesn't want to cannibalize the iPad yeah. Pro market by making a, a touchscreen. They will never Pro. do it, will it? Yeah. Well, who, who says, you know, we always thought, oh, they'll never launch a phone. And, you know, and then they launched the <laughs> iPhone back, when was it, like 15 years ago? But then, yeah, the, the last thing that they added to the MacBook Pro was the touch bar. Yes. Uh, which just seems like adding another annoyance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's also it's something which requires, you know, all the application makers yeah. to actually build support into it. And very, very yeah. few have done. You know, I think Microsoft has with Office and um, Adobe's done it with a couple of apps. But generally, it's yeah. You know, there's no reason it's, you're building a you know a, you're updating software or adding new features to software for one piece of hardware. It yeah. might change if Apple launch an iMac with a keyboard that's got a touch bar yes. as part of yeah. it. Um, that that would then make it more you know. Or and then you could buy that keyboard and attach it to the iMac that you already own or etc. Et yeah. That would that would be more sensible. Um, but yeah, at the moment, 
there's barely any support. And they, you know, those, those application makers are also being asked to add um, support for things like the dial that comes with the Surface Studio and actually works yep. with the Surface Pro as well, which is a little sort of hardware um, hockey puck shaped thing which you can use to kind of twist and control. So if you're trying, you know, if you've got, and all, you know, if you're Adobe Stick, for example, and you've got Microsoft saying, "Can you support this device, which works on a number of different things?" Yeah. And um, Dell does; um, it's built into Windows the support for these hardware devices. Dell's doing its own one um, as well. And you've got so you've got quite a lot of devices there that can use that. And then you've got Apple saying, "Oh, we've got one laptop. Can you build support for a feature that's built on just this one laptop?" I think we know with you know Adobe and those guys are going. Mm. And that's encouraging for for companies like Microsoft as well, um, yeah. who've been out the hardware game for so long, and now Apple has potentially misstepped with that touch bar. I think anyway, the only people I've seen using that computer are journalists who have either forked out for one or it's online. I'm not seeing. I'm not seeing a single one. I've not seen one. No, no. I've never seen. But then I've again, then again, it. that's because to come full circle. Yeah, you don't want it on the train, yeah. which is where you see all these devices anyway. Yeah. Uh, also, designers. Yeah, it replaces their function keys, and designers use function keys because you always yeah. have shortcuts. <laughs> yeah, know, yeah. Like, so it, isn't there the thing? Yeah, it, obviously you can turn down the volume on a, on a Mac function row, but on this new laptop by default, you have to do two presses to get there. It just kind of yeah. complicates simple simple things. Yeah, whereas most laptops, you know, you've got up and down volume <laughs> control. You know, having, be able to use a slider using your finger over, you know, using a, like, two buttons to put the volume up and down is not a step forward in technology. <laughs> Way worse. Yeah, and it's just so expensive as well. Yeah. It's like 1700 I think. Mm. Mm, fun times. Thank you. Anything else to add on that, Neil? Or should no, I ask that's, my... that's that's it. I mean, yeah, you're quite right. There is there's not a huge amount of new stuff with the Surface Pro Five, but uh, yeah, we want to see more launches mm. where they all go horribly wrong. So they are quite <laughs> funny. I mean, they're a pain for us because we don't know what's going on um, if you're in the office. But it is also quite funny. <laughs> Thanks, Microsoft. Uh, quickly go around the room, Neil. Are we just scratching the surface, or what lies beneath? I've got no idea what you mean by that. It never matters. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm going to go with just I, scratching I, the surface or what lies beneath. I'm going to go with what lies beneath because I quite because I quite like the Surface Pro Five. Okay, that's the bad one. But anyway, yeah. you got it, Dom. Uh, uh, <laughs> scratching the surface, then. If that's the good one. Thank you. Uh, what lies beneath? <laughs> Excellent. A terrible film. In case you're interested. Uh, cool. Coming up next, a little bit about film uh, with Can and Netflix. Scott Carey, you've been rubbing elbows with all sorts of big wigs and hot, hot knobs uh, down <laughs> down at Cannes, haven't you? I have. I yeah. have. I've been on the crozet this week. <laughs> Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Um, uh, where, yeah, yeah. There's, there's, there's been some controversy between uh, the French cinematic establishment and uh, Netflix, the streaming okay. giant. So we all love Netflix, but why don't the French? Yeah, the, the, the French um, aren't uh, as, as enamoured with uh, Netflix as we are. So basically, uh, Netflix this year has two films in the actual um, Cannes Festival okay. in, in the judging. So it's up for awards like the Palme d'Or um, and things like that. So you've got um, the Meyerowitz stories, which is a Adam Sandler, Ben Stiller vehicle. Yep. Um, sort of... Uh, which sounds bad, right? But apparently, yeah, yeah, well, it's <laughs> made by Noah Baumbach. So yep. it's like a very um, talky comedy, um, very can sort of comedy, basically. And then the other um, film that they've got up is uh, Okja, which is by um, Bong Joon-ho, um, or terrorist... Um, Korean director? Yeah, Dom? Korean. Um, and basically around Okja, this is where the controversy sort of uh, came up because when it was projected for <laughs> press, um, it was misprojected. So the, the wrong ratio. It was in the wrong ratio. Like, uh, if there's uh, photos and it, it's really like mobile phone screen <laughs> aspect ratio, extreme <laughs> portrait. And I read the curtains didn't open properly or something. Yeah, it all, so it apparently the French press um, were sort of baying bl- for blood already and then once this happened they were full-on <laughs> booing um at the screen great um so like some press reported that they were booing the netflix logo some press said that they were booing the um like technical issues can't really tell from the outside but what we can tell is that the um french um cinematic uh, like organization so their version of the bfi basically um are um quite anti-netflix and this is because french law dictates that a, any movie that's shown in theaters has to wait 36 months yeah, right. until it is then put on a streaming service okay which is very anti-netflix yeah. business model where it wants it on a streaming service as soon as possible so netflix decided that they weren't going to screen okja or Meyerowitz um stories in French cinemas because they want to put it on to streaming services. Okay. Which, when you're showing it at Cannes Film Festival... <laughs> That's something that's definitely happening, right? It's not yeah, going to be in no, French cinemas. it's not going to be in French cinemas. Um, so the French press took, took umbrage with this. Um, the um, French Film Association, um, whatever their official title is, took umbrage with this. And Cannes actually ended up coming out with a um, press release saying that they will not... Um, allow films to enter the competition in future years that will not be shown categorically in French cinemas. Right. So they've taken quite a strong stand against um, against Netflix in in this essence. So is it um, reasonable to suggest that neither of these films are going to win any awards? Well, it's definitely sort of dented their um, their their holding in terms of getting awards. That, I mean, neither would probably have won anyway. I mean, Okja is a very I haven't seen it, but it sounds a very strange film, um, <laughs> even by Cannes standards. It's about um, Tilda Swinton, um, who uh, 
develops a strand of um, uh, super pigs. Great, right. right. So giant pigs that can be farmed for uh, food, but then a young Korean girl falls in love with the pig um, and then it becomes sort of a weird adventure movie where um, a bunch of people are trying to protect, so animal protectionists yeah. and um, also... Um, Jake Gyllenhaal, in a really strange role, is trying to protect the pig, and then Tilda Swinton and all her corporate lackeys are trying to kill the pig. We've um, seen, we've seen that episode of South Park where they work out how Family Guy was made, and it's yes. like sea otters picking balls of, with random words on yeah. them. <laughs> it sounds like that. It does sound like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, and then Tilda Swinton came out and said, "Look, we didn't really come here to win awards. It's just a great honor to actually have a Netflix-produced movie be on the screen at the Palais." Um, was, she, so. was she booed for saying that? <laughs> uh, no, I doubt it. I, I, like, I don't think she'd ever get booed for anything that no, she does. She's no, she's got a good rep. <laughs> um, so, I mean, there's there's definitely two sides to the coin here. There's there's, there's obviously a very um, a very simple debate to be made. It's it's whether you side with Netflix and you say that basically these movies um, can be screened like straight on Netflix. They don't have to be put in cinemas, um, and it's just good that they're supporting you know mid range mm. uh, or terrorist filmmakers. Or you can take the the very French traditional route where you say that these films should be put on the big screen and they should be experienced by cinema goers in that sort of setting rather than in your home. And my favourite thing about this whole um, incident is how um, at the at one of the press conferences of the um, judging panel, um, which uh, the president of the um, judging this year is the Spanish author Pedro Almodovar, and also on the panel is Will Smith. Um, and funnily yeah. enough, um, they actually fell very conveniently on either side of the fence during the, the press conference. So Pedro was arguing vehemently that these films, um, any film in the Cannes Festival should be put on the French, uh, should be in theatres. And Will Smith said that um, Netflix is uh, a great thing because it sort of democratises um, interesting filmmaking. Yeah. So, it sort of depends on where you fall either yeah. side, and I'd love to know where you fall, Dom. Yeah, Dom loves the film. What do you think? I'm I'm firmly on the Netflix side of this. I mm. think um, it's sort of a funny issue, because if you look at the sort of films that normally play in Cannes anyway, <clears throat> they're the sort of films that if they do make it into cinemas, no they play for watch. a couple of weeks <laughs> in art house cinemas and no one sees them. Like and Antichrist and yeah, things like that. It's good that those films do make it into cinemas, but actually <clears throat> like Netflix will tout the fact that they can take those films, put them in front of a way wider audience, and people will actually see them. The people who wouldn't go to a small art house independent cinema, who just wouldn't find those films because they're not playing at the multiplexes. Um, so films like Okia, you know, people will see it because it's on Netflix. More people than ever would if it just had a cinema release. And they wouldn't get made otherwise. I mean, yeah. uh, the director has made a point of saying he's had the most creative freedom of his career working with Netflix on this film. He's never had anything like it working with any other studio. Because Netflix are much happier to just say, "Yeah, cool. We want we want to have the clout of having you as a director making a film for us. Do what you want." The only stipulation they had for him was that he had to shoot on digital, not yeah. on film. But other than that, they pretty much let him do what he wanted, it's which he, is a great thing. It's exactly where I fall as well. And Ben Stiller was interviewed um, about this during the festival. He's in the Meyerowitz stories, and um, he said that. Netflix are the only ones making interesting movies in the mid-budget that the studios used to make in the yeah. 70s, 80s, 90s. And all of the small studios now have um, basically either been swallowed up into the machinery of the big Hollywood studios or just been killed off yeah. um, because they now only make movies with, you know, 
historic IP like Alien yeah. or um, are part of a Marvel franchise. <laughs> um, so as someone that loves cinema, I think Netflix do a really great job of supporting independent filmmakers and small filmmakers. Yeah. Um, the, the problem is, as someone that loves cinema, I love going to the cinema as well. And you can Absolutely. see a very slippery slope argument here yeah. that if you start um, allowing more and more movies to never hit the cinemas, that you're just going to kill the cinema. Yeah. And I think this is where the French are coming from, you know, in, mm. in their own sort of it's it's quite they they do it in not the nicest way really because they Mm. can just be so hardline about these things and so traditional but i think their heart is in the right place i think they 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 just need to adapt a little bit like 36 months is absolutely ludicrous in this day and age yeah that should hopefully be changing the speculation is that uh macron is going to be pushing to shorten that somehow i don't imagine they'll allow day and date which is when it hits Netflix no. at the same time it hits cinemas. Mm. But there's, I can't imagine 36 months is going to stay in place No, for and, and I, I can't imagine it being cut by anything less than about 24 months. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> I think it will end up somewhere sub a year, which is still too long for Netflix, yep. but uh, is, is at least a bit friendlier. It sounds like a rule that was built for the DVD VHS era. Yeah, exactly. And they've just been, as, they just as they can be, slow, yeah. slow to adapt to the changing um, like habits yeah. of viewers. Like This whole narrative and the whole story, it, it is a good one because it's like, you know, the hardline French elite versus yeah. like the young, cool upstart who, who made it. But are they also a bit more genuinely worried about the fact that Netflix exists as this like behemoth of uh, like uh, everything that they thinks wrong with cinema but then you mm-hmm. also have like amazon has just piled a load of money into american gods yeah which yep. i'm nearly as familiar with yeah. um amazon also um it, made yeah. manchester by the sea yeah yeah so amazon amazon are interesting because they take a really different approach to netflix which is they do also make original content they actually have a film in can as well wonderstruck oh yeah todd haynes film. Todd haynes. um but they are much more open to theatrical releases so yeah they've had uh like velocity of z manchester by the sea the handmaiden uh all of those from the last year are uh, films that Amazon either had some production or distribution role in, but they give them theatrical releases as well say, as putting them on I the video know platform. That those films were Amazon yeah. led. Is that, is that where the industry is going to go? A company is going to get behind films but kind of keep it hush hush. Well, they, Netflix they, is very front and center, like, we made this film and we're going to put it out on the same day. Yeah, yeah well, like, I think you know better than me about this, Dom, but like, basically they take, they take slightly different approaches, don't they, where Netflix will actually like commission and yeah. like support the project, whereas Amazon will come in slightly later, a li- bit more like a traditional studio or distributor, yeah. a bit more like a money man. Yeah, Amazon, yeah, they, they tend to come in more after something's been put together or will just put money in, and they yeah. come in as a distributor and have less of a creative role, I guess, whereas Netflix is more happy to come in at the beginning of a project and uh, see it through. take Although that old school studio role of really like shepherding the film through from yeah, beginning to end but ironically take basically no creative exactly yeah, no, but like without the actually they don't give putting notes. their foot down on things yeah, yeah. I think my, my concern is that, um, you know, it sounds like Amazon is just, you know, giving, you know, creating these independent films purely as a kind of PR exercise. I mean, yeah, we're talking, we, you know, you say it's great that these people are going up against the studios, but if, if they win, what will go on from, a, you know, how many big studios are there in Hollywood? That five? Uh, six, I think, is yeah, normally the biggest. Yeah, about half yeah and now it's like down to two. Yeah. If, if it's Amazon and Netflix, and it's great while they're supporting independent filmmaking, but if if they win and in five years' time they think, oh, there's no money in independent films, we're going to stick to making TV shows, and you know, oh, what could, you know, should we make this great artistic film or another series of RuPaul's Drag Race? You know, you're <laughs> gonna they, and they go, well, this gets this many viewers. Yeah, this you know, at the moment there is a lot of scope for these films to be made by Amazon because they want to establish them as serious. 
players. Mm. That doesn't overly worry me, though, because I think Netflix and Amazon, their model is to flood their service with content. Yep. And independent films are cheap to make. You know, yep. they, they can pay, you know, someone like Todd Haynes, maybe th- two, three million. And mm. like, it'd be a small, low-key movie. It doesn't need any special effects. It needs a couple of top name stars and you just pay for the talent. Whereas, um, you know, the big studios now have to put up, you know, 300, 400, 500 million to get a film made. So I think they're, they're definitely more in the volume yep. business. But there's also a lot of quality there. But yeah, I suppose. And do they? If, it depends if they get as much money back. Because obviously, you'll pay your six ninety nine, your nine ninety nine a month, and you can mm. get to watch as many of these. You know, do the film, do the studios get as much money back from that? From the idea of you know, when we used to go down to Blockbuster and mm. rent a movie, or go to HMV and buy a DVD. Yeah, which, yeah. you know, we do, it's a concept we don't really talk about. Even though you know, it's you can go on iTunes and buy the film. You can go on iTunes and rent the movie. We always talk, we seem to talk about it's cinema or streaming. This yeah. this middle ground seems to have disappeared. But it is interesting from the from market perspective because Netflix and Amazon are basically um, running sort of the Tesco principle, where these independent movies can be loss leaders because you know, they're not making any money off the movie itself. They're making money off their entire library. Yeah. So if they can bring in, you know a couple of hundred people because they've got a really cool independent film that someone wants to watch on there. That person's then locked into a subscription and then they can get stuck into the rest of the content. So instead of like where the old studio would, you know, take a bet on something low key like Okja and hope that it makes money, it doesn't really matter to Netflix, you know, as long as they can pull in a few net new subscribers, which is why I think the model works a lot better for independent cinema than the traditional model. I suppose also that Amazon is trying to upsell you as well so if it gets you oh, in, on every, yeah, yeah yeah i mean the, the the current version of the app in my mind can just i'm not allowed to swear on this are we anyway <laughs> of course you can okay well then amazon can f- <laughs> <laughs> um, because you know I've, I've got amazon prime i'm looking through all the films i can watch and the tv shows i can watch and e- every second thing is trying to sell me oh do you want to subscribe mm. to shudder do you want to subscribe mm. to in, you know, particular mm. channels of content but even even the service itself i mean i know less about the film industry than you guys but i mean i i, I subscribe to netflix but i don't have amazon prime i think it's a it's such a fragmented service at the moment amazon as a company has just got the money to just do whatever they want uh, for some reason, also seven ninety nine a month sounds better than eighty pounds a year to me, which I know is stupid. Cause it's, oh yeah, cause it's no, more. but it totally does. Yeah, <laughs> but then you, oh, you get like free one day delivery. You get what else do you get with Amazon Prime? You get you, can, uh, like, you get some free books. You get you some music, something, some of the Amazon Music stuff. I think. Yep. But it's, does anyone use Amazon Music? Not, I have no idea. No, <laughs> they're advertising a lot at the moment. I saw a stat the other day that a ludicrous amount of American consumers are Amazon Prime subscribers. Really, um, oh, really? touching fifty percent. But I've got Amazon Prime and I've got Spotify Ludicrous. because you don't get the new albums on on Amazon Music. Mm, right. You have to pay for some extra music service mm. if you want anything half decent. So. Mm. There are some other things. I don't know what they are. <laughs> yeah, they're all hidden away. There's like Amazon Pantry. We can get like uh, your milk delivered. <laughs> well, they're going to do pharmaceuticals. Really? They yeah. announced this week that they're going to do um, sort of direct to your door pharmaceuticals, um, which will absolutely destroy small pharmacy chains yeah great what a, what a lovely note to end on yeah lovely <laughs> we came, came right away from lovely film there to, to that um, 
anything you want to wrap up up on? No, I mean, I think that, that that's it really. And I, I just think it's it's a debate that's going to rage and rage. Um, I think next year will be very interesting now that Can have taken a, a strong line on this. So Netflix, so depending on if Macron does manage to change the law in time, yeah, it, it puts Netflix in a pretty tricky situation next year because yeah, I think they, they, they want, just won't turn up to Can. They just won't turn up. They've just like, said it's much less attractive if that's the case. So yeah, they won't bother. These guys want to win awards. Like yeah. um, Netflix, like did they get nominated for any Emmys this year? Uh, I'm sure they did. They're, yeah, because these, these guys won contender. These guys won awards because it absolutely like, yeah. justifies their investment, and they want the like hype and the media attention. Yeah. But in the grand scheme of things, they're not going to sacrifice a movie being put on their streaming service yeah. for like three years just exactly. for the chance of winning a Palme d'Or, which they're probably not going to win. Yeah. And the thing is that uh, like they can just do all the other film festivals. Like Cannes yeah. is you know the top. Most of the, the other top ones dog, are fine. But the rest are fine. Like Sundance are fine. They've adapted. Yeah. And they can just show stuff out of festivals. They can show they? stuff out of festivals. So yeah. Cannes this yeah. year had two TV shows for the first time. It um, showed David Lynch, former Palme d'Or winner. Um, it showed Peaks. Twin Peaks, The Revival. And um, it showed uh, Top of the Lake as well. So it's showing that they are, they're recognising TV yeah. as a genuine art form now. It's also worth noting a lot of the problem here is just that French law. Because, say, the Oscars, the Academy Awards, also stipulate that film has to have screened in LA specifically to be eligible. But, uh, but that's fine be because the run. American, yeah, it just had to screen in a cinema, and yeah, the did, American laws are much less forgiving on day and date stuff. So they, they did that with the uh, the OJ documentary that won the Oscar. Right? Yeah, right. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, such a good documentary. Yeah. On a self indulgent final note, have you seen Alien Covenant? I have. Yeah, I went to see it um, a couple of nights ago. What did you think? Uh, I thought it was better than Prometheus. Um, I still. That's not saying very much. Exactly. <laughs> um, no, I thought. I thought it was good enough i just think it's yeah. so it's it's just becoming more and more convoluted and trying to piece the timeline together now because it's like basically just appealing to really hardcore fans and um i'm not sure the franchise has got much further to go even though he's slated to make three more <sighs> three more three more because <laughs> the problem they got now is that he's, it's all prequel but it's kind of also weirdly a sequel because it's explaining things as well yeah and then yeah. like if I just don't want them to touch Ripley. No, <laughs> I don't, no, I don't no, want them to get proud of it. Yeah. The, the beauty... Please don't. I don't want it to be like David's um, dad or something. I, like, I don't want that to happen. <laughs> I don't really care about the mythology. I mean, mm. you know, the, fir- the first film is a pretty straight along the line horror movie. Second film is a Western. Yeah. I don't need a space opera. I just want to see lots of, you know, lots of aliens or, you know, in the dark, which is another problem with the, the um, Covenant. Most of it takes place in sort of bright lights or daylight. Yeah. And, yeah. It's, and it's like, that's not alien. I am. Um, that's the great thing about mythology, though, is when it's mysterious. Yeah. <laughs> and once exactly. you start explaining the mythology, yeah. it becomes much less appealing. Um, and although fans always strive for those answers, once you get them, um, it, I think David Lynch actually, as we're on Twin Peaks, said that mm. it's like killing the golden goose, the goose that lays the golden eggs. Yeah. Once you kill off that mystery, you've killed off your your IP, basically your franchise. Yeah. Um, I, I don't really know where it's going to go from here. I did find it interesting that the way that AI in the Alien movies has shifted. Like, so in the first couple of movies, the or was it just one of them where the droid is actually like the good guy? Uh, it's in Aliens. In Aliens. Yeah. And then again in Alien Resurrection. Yeah. And yep. now, in spoil- mild spoiler alert, the um, David, the android, is the villain of the piece. Um, yeah. And that just shows, like, I think the way the public perception about AI has sort of shifted. So that's yeah. how it was in the first Alien. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Character yeah. Is, is, yeah right bastard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which may be why they're linking it up that way. Yeah. Because, like, they were evil before and then they evolved to be just programmed nicer. Yeah. 
But yeah, I think that what you were saying, Neil, is that the problem with the, the most recent Alien movies is that they can't really pick their lane. So I think Prometheus and, and Covenant both um, want to be horror movies, they want to be action movies, and they want to do the like deep mythology, like the sort of stuff you talk about in your philosophy, like undergrad course at uni. Um, <laughs> and trying to blend all three together just becomes a bit of a mess. And that was the beauty of the first two movies, that they were distinctly action western or horror movies and they were good at it yeah and it's kind of like it makes me slightly worried for the the next Blade Runner film it's like if that answers Mm. the question once and for all whether Deckard is a replicant or not yeah then it's it's all over oh it definitely will because Ridley Scott has a very firm view on which way it goes. Uh, he absolutely uh, I, knows what he thinks, and I, I'm confident this will I don't make that clear. Care what he thinks? <laughs> no, I know. But, yeah, that's <laughs> I mean, what this film will do. Once, once you, you think... release a piece of film, you release, you create a piece of art, you have to let go of what people, uh, you know, perceive it. That's. I know. think. I think really, Scott. Like, I re- he's 79. I, he's, he's just going to die soon. He's just. He's just getting all his ducks. <laughs> he's just getting all his ducks in a row. He yeah. wants to finish everything off. I've Gladiator 2 when it was all, it was all a dream. Yeah. <laughs> no, there were nuts plans for Gladiator 2 once. Ugh. Totally crazy. It was oh, going to yeah. be Russell Crowe being brought back to life by the Roman gods to kill Jesus. I was joking. And then he was going <laughs> to appear and like it would have a montage near the end of like Russell Crowe fighting in like every war throughout history. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds amazing. I know. I kind of wish they actually made it, but uh, yeah, this was an actual script commission by the studio. Series. That's bonkers. That's where it's all going to go. Thanks, guys. That was good. <laughs> awesome. Slightly off topic, but whatever. It's Friday. Um, uh, uh, who, who was talking about it? Scott, Netflix or Netflix? Uh, Netflix. Neil? Netflix. Dom? Definitely Netflix. Oh, sweet. They're going to win. Yeah. <laughs> they, they already have. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. Say goodbye, guys. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. UK Tech Weekly Podcast. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards... Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone.